We want to hear from you, our listeners. You can email us your questions, comments, and suggestions for future episodes at iobject at pghfirm.com. Or DM us on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us at Flaherty Fardo on Instagram or Flaherty Fardo Rogelin Amick on Facebook. Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. All rise. I strenuously object. A legal podcast brought to you by the Pittsburgh Law Firm of Flaherty Fardo is now in session. All those seeking information about the law and legal matters affecting the people of Pittsburgh and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, half-baked opinions, and a dose of self-indulgence are invited to attend and participate. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I object, Your Honor. Your Honor, I object. You would! Listen, we don't know you. We don't know who you are. We don't know what you do. So please do not rely on anything we say as legal advice. I'm Noah Fardo, presiding. My wingman, attorney Bill Rigel. And all we're trying to do is bring a little irreverence. That's just what this dummy company needs. A little irreverence. Well, let's start the insanity. Call the first witness. Good morning, Bill. Hello. (laughs) Hello. How are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you today, Noah? I'm fine. Just as long as you don't ever do that voice again. Never? Never. I, too, am well. Do you, do you recognize it? I, I, I do. I do. Okay. Well, we're, we're one to two one. Seinfelds deep in our first 30 seconds here. Hi. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm great. I, too, am well. I, too, am well. Yeah, excellent. Good excellent. All right, Bill. Well, uh, I'm excited to be here today because we have the godfather. We have the godfather of tax bills. And, and you know what? He wasn't easy to book. I don't know if he's going to have a handler or not, but um, he's going to talk about tax appeals and what we've talked about already. It's a broken system. These homeowners are getting appealed and we help them defend these appeals by being smart on how they defend the appeals. But what I want uh, our guest today, Ron Myers, um, to talk about is a little bit more deep. We're going to talk about uh, the common level ratio. And usually I won't stop in a podcast common level ratio may have killed it what do you think (laughs) i would not say that uh people have been uh knocking down the doors as it were to hear us discuss math but we're going to talk about the common level ratio with the godfather if that doesn't get you excited i don't know what does (laughs) more more important listen i'll judge these things after the fact and not before i reserve the right to say i told you so um or to be proven wrong well, look, we get to get up this morning and we get to say the words vor dire. Do you know what a vor dire is, Bill? I mean, pronounced that way, it's a, it's a thing that happens in my cousin Vinny. Now, if Mr. Trotter wishes to vor dire the witness, he's going to be more than satisfied. Then we're going to vor dire the witness. Well, look, here's what I want to do. I'm bringing on a guest today, an old friend of mine, Ron Myers. I look at Ron as literally one of the smartest people I know. But what he did with tax appeals is he's not a lawyer, and yet he has saved property owners, according to his records, over $100 million in property taxes. This is a non-lawyer saving hundreds of millions of dollars. You may have to correct me later. That might be hundreds of millions reduced assessments, but he saved people tens of millions of dollars in actual property taxes. And he has a great and unique perspective on property tax appeals. You ready, counselor? I'm ready. Hey, let me welcome Ronnie Myers. Ronnie, are you with us? 
Good morning, gents. I am. Do you have a handler with you? Is there somebody who's going to cut us off if we ask an inappropriate question? There is no handler. It's it's me in the open road. All right, Ronnie, I'm calling you the godfather of tax appeals. Do you like that title or not? I kind of strenuously object to it, really. Well, it's just, I don't think it's fitting. But at any rate, all right. I used to do tax appeals 20 years ago. And do you think you have anything to offer? I mean, should people be listening to you today? Is there any reason to listen to you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I represented hundreds of property owners. I probably saved property owners over $100 million in property taxes. Okay. Bill, you may vore dire the witness. Mr. Myers, can you explain to me what exactly it is that has qualified you to represent uh, property owners in property tax appeals in Allegheny County? That, that is a great question. I would like to answer it. Nothing. This is like Seinfeld. Does he get this? Is a show about nothing? Yeah, Um, it is. So here's the thing, and I don't know what the law states today. Again, I've been removed for 20 years, but there was a statute that said a property owner may allow, I guess it was, an authorized representative and/or counsel to represent them in these property tax appeals. I took that to mean me. I'm an authorized representative. That's it. Did anybody ever challenge you on that? Yes. Yep. There was a lawsuit filed. They actually sued the county. We filed an amicus brief, and I think there was an enjoinder. So we joined the lawsuit to fight it, and we won. So this wasn't originally your lawsuit? No, no. Attorneys, uh, there was a group of attorneys that sued the county, uh, the PAR board over this we just jumped in to help defend it so Bill, we, uh, one of the, one my of the reasons- small firm and another small firm uh th- there was a a group of uh real estate appraisers and again you know their thought process was hey you know we know how to value real estate you know why would an attorney have to value real estate i think they were right so listen bill one of the reasons why i wanted to have ronnie on today was because there's a lot of property owners who want to try these tax appeals by themselves or hire a representative that's not a lawyer. So there's a lot of non-lawyers getting in at the first level. And I thought it would be interesting to hear how a non-lawyer did do this. I mean, Ronnie, tell us how you got started. How did, what year did you get started in tax appeals? Did I, did uh, I, I want to say dire off bill Did I kill your Vord dire. Uh, you did, but you're good. Well, do we need more on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, in traditional um, tendering of an expert rules, an expert can prove himself qualified by by training or by experience. So, sure. while there be maybe nothing that qualifies you, Mister Myers, <laughs> uh, by virtue of your training, it sounds that you uh, you probably have become qualified by experience, even if you know the very first time you did one, you weren't. Absolutely. So in terms of education, I have an accounting degree from the University of Pittsburgh. And I did, um, at the time, I was a licensed uh, real estate agent. And again, I did that just to, to, uh, to have some certification to prove my standing, just in case as a backup. But I always felt 
straight up. A property owner can hire whomever they want to represent them. They could hire a circus clown. It's their decision. So I always had a, an agreement written to say, I am the authorized representative. And if anyone ever asked me in an appeal hearing, I would present that and say, here, this owner would like me to be here as their representative. I'm authorized. Open How and now, shut for me. Ahead, now, Bill. as a non-attorney, were you able to represent property owners at, at the second level at BOV appeals or only in front of the Board of Property Assessment Appeals and Review? Oh, only in the, uh, the PAR board. Yep. So we would hire an attorney uh, to hold our hand at the next level. Which now all of these cases are going two levels. What happens if somebody hires a, a non-lawyer at the first level and it gets appealed to the board of viewers, which everything is getting appealed to the board of viewers now? Well, you got a lawyer up. You hired a lawyer in every single case. Yes. How did you get involved in tax appeals, Ronnie? I mean, what brought you to the business and when? Um, so it was 1998 and I was uh, finishing up uh, at uh, my undergrad degree at, the, at Pitt, and I was working for a small company, owned company. They owned a lot of uh, owned and operated parking facilities, garages, parking lots, but they also had a lot of just commercial property, a lot of residential units, and uh, we could never quite figure out our tax bills. You know, taxes would start rolling in, the, the block, the lot block system was just, it was a mess. Like sometimes you'd have an eight unit apartment building and it might have six block and lots tied to it. Um, at any rate, we, we went to the county uh, assessment office and, and just asking for help. And there was one property in particular that didn't make sense to us. We owned a vacant plot of land near the Birmingham Bridge. And next to it, was the same size vacant plot of land, yet it had a, a billboard. It was an income generating property. And their tax bill was like 500 bucks a year and ours was 5,000 or something like that. It was starkly different and it didn't make sense. So we just, through our inquiries, we were told to file an appeal. And once we did that and lowered our taxes, a light bulb went off. Like, hey, we, A, we have to do this for all of our properties. And B, people started asking us to help them with theirs. So we just started filing appeals. Simple as that. So you had a company back then. I mean, that's how we met, Ronnie, 20-some years ago. Pay less tax. Yeah. You started yep. a company. Whose idea was it to call it pay less tax? Uh, it was actually the, the founder, Alan Gochner. He came up okay. with the idea. Um, to start a company, um, I did. A, I did most of the legwork. We did a lot of research together, um, and the research was primarily based on the uniformity of assessment. You know, we just kind of focus on a neighborhood um, and just look for the inequities. And again, you know, like in a hearing, to me, that I really, really hung my hat on the inequity, the uniformity of assessment, not not the sale price or just you know fair market value. I would, now we, we would prove in a case that if, if my assessment is higher than someone else's, we need to be lowered. I don't care what things are selling for next to me. doesn't matter. It's a tax issue. Now, was this before or after the O2 reassessment? Before. So we started in 98 and, and that kind of that 
whole reval just fell in our lap. And that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to us, to be honest with you. That was just the great reshuffling of mayhem. I remember you telling me a story, Ronnie, about calling people, just calling them on the phone. Did you, I mean, didn't you yeah. used to cold call businesses up and down Fifth Avenue in Pittsburgh trying to lower their property taxes? We probably did 150 appeals on Fifth Avenue alone in the, that area from downtown all the way out to the Birmingham Bridge. And that was a very interesting part of the market because each block got, you know, either increased or decreased in value, depending on which direction you were going. And you can't broad stroke any kind of value, right? You can't just say, oh, everything down there is worth 150 bucks a foot because you might start at $150 a foot. And, you know, as you get eight blocks down, it's $8 a foot. And so it it was kind of, it was really unfair to the county, um, to try to attempt to value 600,000 properties, you know, with a, you know, it, 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 with a broad stroke on January 1st, here's value, right? For everything. You can't do it. It's, a, it's an impossibility. It's a flawed system just on the face of it. Well, it's created a lot of jobs for everyone too. Well, there's <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of commercial of properties in that stretch, right? I mean, yes, yes. What were you doing for valuation methods? Were you were you just doing showing the other assessments of other businesses? Were you were you attempting to assess the profitability of these businesses? All of it, yes. So we started back then. You know, the way we did our research to solicit our customers was just uniformity. So we just gathered that data from the county. We we gather their maps, and back then, if they print off literally boxes of papers for us to pour through and we color coded it. Um, it, it sounds, you know, archaic and, and kind of like childish, but that's what we did. We literally just color coded things. And, um, and then Bill, we got into um, the income approach to value and obviously sales, but you know, on the commercial side of thing, you know, to me, income dominates, right? If you could prove, you know, th- this, this building can generate X and, you know, this one cannot, obviously the one that's making money is worth more. Right. So we just started gathering data. And then we, over the years, you just become more and more in tune, especially when you're working in a small geography. Touch base. Let's follow up on that, Ronnie, on the commercial, the commercial properties. Um, And, you know, we talked at a separate time about the different ways you can value property. You look at fair market value, you can look at comparable sales and you can look at comparable sales when with commercial properties, but finding comparable hotels in the same vicinity or car washes in the same vicinity is difficult. So the income approach, let's say I own a commercial property. I bring in um, $10,000 a month. How do you break down? What, What would you look at? Explain to somebody who has a commercial property and they're one, their income has dropped because of the pandemic or otherwise. They're missing tenants. And I think that's what a lot of the commercial appeals are now. How do you run through? How do you tell them how to value their commercial property um, based on rent? So, it, you know, basically you have your income and then you have all your related expenses, right? And then you have a net income at the end of the day. And now you're, you're really taxing my, uh, my memory. But at the time, I remember as a general rule of thumb, it was like something like seven times the net was a good indicator of what you could sell that property for. So 
to give you an idea of fair market value. But you could really dive into it deeper than that and start applying um, a cap rate. So you get your net income and, you know, the cap rate is, is made up of um, your what interest would be in the market, right? What would the current um, commercial mortgage rates? Um, but it'd also be loaded for, um, you know, uh, taxes and, and um, other types of expenses. So you, you could apply a, a loaded cap rate and it would spit out a value. And if that didn't work, then you would visit them a second time, only this time with Luca Brasi. There you go. <laughs> yeah. He's not on the list, but Luca Brasi wants to see you. Is this necessary? So the cap rate, what I always did too, Ronnie, on commercial appeals is you put as many expenses as you can. You own a commercial property, put as many expenses as you can. You get your net revenue. Now we're going to multiply it times this cap- capitalization rate. And the higher the cap rate, the lower you end up with a number. So what you try to do is you raise the cap rate and the cap rate's always higher for lower valued areas. Yeah. Would you agree? Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's another something... variable to play with to affect value. Yeah. And I always felt like a lot of the hearing officers, or at least some of them, I mean, they were in the dark on this too, right? They're not really going to sure. break down these expenses. They don't know what the cap rate is. So there's no, so much subjectivity to it that, I mean, it's a great system. The appeals is set up where you almost always have a case. Yes. Very, very yep. few cases. And you talked about uniformity, Bill, let's, let's go back to uni- uniformity for a second. Um, because legally the law is the assessments, whatever they're taxing it, you at has to be uniform or fair. Is that how you interpret it? Well, I mean, that's, those are the literal words in the state constitution about taxation, that it has to be uniform. But if you look at a sale price, and because the inconsistency here is, and Ronnie, help me with this. The inconsistency is everything needs to be uniform, but at the same time, we're determining fair market value. And if something sells, if you have a sale price, isn't that the fair market value, Ronnie? No, not a single sale fair market value inherently in the term you have to have a market and one one transaction doesn't make a market you need multiple transactions just to get to the market and then you have and then it has to be fair in addition to that and then you can have your value and people overpay or underpay sale prices all all, all the yep. time and that's the goal when and you then, get appealed you need to prove you overpaid here's why Correct. Yep. And I would say, you know, again, there's a lot of subjectivity. It depends on the hearing officer. Um, Some of them will only listen to a sale price and are very, very focused on fair market value. Um, You're going to, I always brought uniformity of assessment as a very strong argument. And do you mean comparing assessments? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, I can't be taxed more than my neighbor. It's unfair. It's against the law. So listen, I don't know how this, I don't know how this was in the, in the stone age um, Mm -hmm. back before the last reassessment. Right. I, I feel like at this point, especially at the first level, the hearing officers simply don't want to hear a uniformity challenge. And uh, 
personally, I, I tend to only make them when they're really, really strong. If I, if we went in there in yeah. every case and argued a uniformity challenge, which, which you could, because the system is so fundamentally non-uniform, you can always find a, some similar properties that are not being taxed at the, the same dollar value that you are. Um, but to me, uniformity challenges now are strongest in plans with very similar homes or townhomes or condominiums, um, places where I've got 30 houses right here that are identical, right? Same square footage, basically the same layout. And here are all of their assessments. And here is, here is my client's assessment and it's 20% higher than theirs or 40% higher than theirs. If it's that strong, I think a uniformity challenge still works and definitely is worth making. Um, but uniform lack of uniformity is so baked into the system now that it's tricky. You can make it that argument literally every time. I'm not convinced you should. I actually love it as an argument because it's so clear and black and white versus fair. I mean, fair, fair market value is it is super subjective. And again, a lot of these property owners, they're getting appealed by a municipality or a school district. And in today's day and age, it's really a school district, right? Um, a lot of the municipalities aren't doing the appeals just because, right? There's no reason for them not to. They just decided as a policy not to. They let the school so district catch all the flack. Yes. And so that school district is in there appealing on one sale. Again, there's no market. And, and you, as the property owner, you're the only guy on the block getting raised, potentially. And again, I would... I would argue to the end of the earth, why are you singling me out? I'm getting a different assessment, a different tax than anybody else on my street. I feel discriminated against. And in fact, the law doesn't allow for that. That's why he's called the Godfather. <laughs> See, that's why they call him the Godfather. Well, my question is, aren't you like the... Um, aren't you like a kid in an elementary school class who's asking the teacher for homework or something at this point, right? You're I'm right. your neighbor and you're in there telling the school and the hearing officers that they need to raise my taxes too. I'm not going to be real happy with you. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm just saying you got to lower mine or keep it the same. And by the way, apply the common level ratio and I'm going to get a 20% tax break because you appealed me. How do you like them apples? Well, let's get back to that for a second, but I'm reading the Post-Gazette yesterday morning and there's a section on selling real estate and it says, buying here, Edgeworth history in a ballroom priced at $1.3 million. And so this house in Edgeworth is going to sell for $1.3 million. And then you read the article and at the bottom of the article, it says, oh, its current assessment is $437,000. So what's going to happen is somebody's going to pay $1.3 million. School district's going to argue that's fair market value. And now that person is going to pay three times as much as the rest of the houses that haven't sold. I mean, that's pretty bad. Um, let's move on. The common level ratio, uh, the exciting common level ratio. You know, do either of you want to take a shot at what the common level ratio is? Because understanding the common level ratio, if, if you really get deep here, Bill, and I think I need to prove this one to you, means basically... If the common level ratio drops like it did this year, every property owner in the entire county should be able to appeal and receive a reduction. Ronnie, would you agree? Without a doubt. So explain this to Bill because he's not buying this yet. He, oh, Bill, wow. 
Yeah. Explain it to them. Walk them through it. Because it seriously, there should have been 500 plus thousand appeals this year since the ratio dropped 7% and everybody could have reduced their property taxes 7% in my yeah. opinion. Potentially. You, I mean, you, yeah. you used to do this, right? Hey, hey guys, I, I, I want to interrupt for a second. It's Mike, the podcast producer here. Can, can we take a moment and define the common level ratio? For, for those of us who don't know, can we start with a really good definition of common level ratio? Do you want, do you want, the, do you want the layman's version? Yes, please. If there are some, I mean, okay, it depends sure. on what you think, who you think the audience is going to be here, but I'm interested, I'm listening, but I don't know what it is, right. me personally. Okay. So there's a state tax equalization board, STEB, and what they try to do is make sure that property taxes across the Commonwealth are fair. So the county is required every year to tell the state um, or, or provide the state with uh, all the sales that happen within the county. So you, could, so you could watch for trends in real estate. And obviously in the past, whatever, five years, real estate has gone up in value almost at an unpre unprecedented level, right? So what happens as real estate values are going up, the the ratio, the level at which you're assessed, it is going down. It's not keeping up. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that well? What does someone want to jump? Yeah, in yeah, yeah. I think out? I listen, I, th I think you're I think you're on the right track. As I okay. understand it, basically, the county reports data and the step ratio does math with the data that the, there's no no one's exercising discretion. No one's making decisions here. Yeah. The county sends all of its sales data in. And then there is a, a state board that looks at the data the county sends and, and decides, okay, basically property values have appreciated X percent since the, the base year in that specific county. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the hypothetical percentage figure that you're getting, right? Yes. Yep. So, and basically they're saying, here's all your sales, right? And that's 100%. And here's all your assessments. All your assessments are about 81 and a half percent of what sales, the actual sales are. Yeah, Therefore, and, your assessment ratio is 81 and a half percent. And two things. Your common level ratio. Yep. Uh, first of all, that number is generated on a countywide basis. It's not statewide, but it's also not neighborhood by neighborhood or municipality by municipality. So when we talk about what the, the common level ratio in Allegheny County is for a given year, that ratio reflects an average across the county, which as applied is going to uh, under assess um, <laughs> the properties that are in the areas that have been appreciating the most and over assess the properties that are in the areas that have been flat or declining. Exactly. Yep. It's flawed yeah. to begin with. It's really discriminatory. And, you know, even on a practical sense, what they would do is if you bought your house for $100,000 last year in 2021, um, and the common level ratio for Allegheny County was 87.5%, they the hearing officers would say, well, you paid 100, it must have been assessed, at, it should be assessed at 100, but then they multiply times the ratio and you'd end up with an assessment of 87,500. Um, but now this year, the common level ratio went down to 81%. So when we have these cases that get appealed to the board of viewers, the second level, and we're looking at multiple years in the appeal, which is what usually happens where you're let's negotiate 2021. Let's negotiate 2022. The school districts are even agreeing. Well, 2021 should be 87,000. 
2022 should be $81,000, right? So these, just by having their appeal in the, pro, in the pending and extending into another year, they got a tax reduction. And what I'm saying, and I think Ronnie, you're agreeing is that those people who settled their case last year for $87,000 on a $100,000 home, couldn't they appeal again, say my market value hasn't changed and the ratio is 81,000. So you should lower my assessment to 81,000. That was one of, yes, that was a big, one of my tactics, by the way. And and again, years and years ago, a lot of folks didn't even understand that. Nobody understands it. No, no. And to further exacerbate this problem, by the way, is there's a base year, right? 2012. So the assessments are sitting at this base year valuation. So as, as property values have increased over the last decade, the county hasn't raised assessments to try to even keep up with it. So I read an article recently where there is a group that is suing right now to say the common level ratio is actually much, much lower than what you're even saying right now. And the reason is the county didn't provide all the sales data to the state. They get, uh, there were 17,000 sales and they only sent them 4,000. That's right. I remember seeing that too. There, there, yes. the, the, the argument here is that the county, because the common level ratio is based solely upon the data sent by the county, we've got an allegation out there. And I don't, I don't know if it's true. I'm not a party to this lawsuit, but there's an allegation that the county is essentially juicing the common level ratio by only yes. sending a select part of the data that makes it look like the property values are appreciating less overall than they are. Than they actually are. Yeah. It, it, they're arguing that they believe the common level ratio right now is somewhere around 61%. Can you imagine? So I, as an authorized representative or a homeowner or anyone else, could file an appeal. And if your home is valued at $100,000, you walk in, you get sustained, right? Meaning no change. I Don't even bring an argument. Just file the appeal and let them stamp you that you're $100,000 in value. And now you get the common level ratio of 81%. You just got a 20% tax break just for showing up. So this is a this is a theory practice distinction, right? I mean, if the whole county does this, then at that point, the school districts start showing up and waving around comparable sales to try to raise your current market value from your from your seven or eight year old sale. Um, sure just to stop this from happening. But if only a couple people do it, uh, if the number of people filing appeals with no evidence is, is small enough, then yeah, you'll get the current market value set right where it's always been, except that you take the common level ratio off that current market value and that current market value or the, the assessed value ends up dropping rather significantly. A property owner can go into an appeal, right? and have their assessment raised to a point and still enjoy a tax break. And so in some instances, I would take the risk, you know, obviously with go, you know, getting the approval from the property owner to say, hey, I can bring in some comps or some income approach to value to show that your property's maybe actually worth a little more. But once we get this CLR, common level ratio applied, we're gonna get this huge tax savings. Are you on board? He's like, yeah, whatever, man. If you can lower my taxes, go for it. So it's just manipulating numbers. And if the common level ratio is actually 61%, as some folks are arguing, this is going to be a boondoggle. Boondoggle. I like that. 
movie reference for that or not. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's certainly different than doppelganger. Yeah, which is a word I like to use periodically. Um, Ronnie, let's bring this right. home because did we beat uh, that to death? Enough? Well, you're gonna lose. You say the words common level ratio, and I think you lose eight out of ten people. And <laughs> for the twelve, were there were there ten people to begin with? No, well, there might be twelve right, over the next eighteen months that actually listen. Okay, <laughs> I would like to thank of each of those people personally. Maybe write them a letter. But eight let's bring ten people yeah. is not a ratio. That's a literal count. Okay. <laughs> well. So let's bring this home. And for some reason, when I say home, I think in my bed where my children sleep. Right. But that's my Godfather uh, I mean, reference for this. It's day. where his wife sleeps, where his children play with their toys. Where their children play with the toys. Okay. In my home, in my bedroom where my wife sleeps, where my children come and play with their toys. I tried using a Godfather line in a closing once, and it fell so flat. Um, I think it was the make him an offer he can't refuse. It was horrible. It's horrible. Um, Ronnie, let's let's sort of summarize what we have here, right? Fair market value is not one sale. Don't be afraid to argue. Lack of uniformity. What else do you got? That's it. Um, you know, never be afraid to appeal. You could appeal every year. And I don't think people realize that too. It's, it's, it's your choice, right? And it's your right. I, I, again, it's a flawed system on the face of it. How many systems are you aware of that you're being taxed on where it's kind of just arbitrarily determined, right? Like when you walk into a store, you're going to pay sales tax on a candy bar and you know, the candy bar costs a buck and the tax is 6% or whatever, right? Allegheny County, I guess it's seven. Um, property assessments are not like that. They move and, they, and obviously they don't move enough or we wouldn't be having these conversations. Yeah. The, the assessments aren't moving with the market. So hey, one, one other talk thing, to right? somebody that knows what they're talking about and then appeal. Yeah, you know, one other thing is there was um, some great advice for people buying houses that are going to get appealed. If you're buying in the first quarter of any calendar year, schedule your closing after March 31st. There was a closing I was having that was going to occur on February 1st. Assessment was going up, would have gone up another $9,000, $10,000 a year. Just by pushing the closing date past March 31st, they save $10,000. So, you know, be smart when you're buying. There's things you can do when you're buying that can help in the defense of the eventual appeal. Bill, you got anything else for the Godfather? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, um, I think he's uh, he has proven his bona fides here. I'm a little concerned about whether or not what what Ron was doing for all these years was essentially the unlicensed practice of law, but it was authorized by statute. It, it, hey, it doesn't make any difference to me what a man does for a living, you understand. It doesn't make any difference to me what a man does for a living, I understand. It's just, you know, as long as your interests don't conflict with my interests. Um, thank you for coming on today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Can we um, drop the Godfather then? Just call yes. me Ron. Okay. Y yes, I go we by can. That. Bill, can you do an outro for me? Snoop Ronnie Rod. <laughs> he is I and I am him. Slim with the tilted brim. What's your name, All right. Uh, th that's our episode for the day. Thanks again to uh, the reluctant godfather. Hopefully you learned something or had a few laughs at least. If so, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Tell your friends or if we did a bad job, your enemies uh, to check us out. It's the only way this podcast can grow. If you have questions, for our eventual mailing it in segment or other feedback for the podcast, email the podcast directly at I object at pghfirm.com. 
For more information on Allegheny County Tax Appeals, visit our website at pghfirm.com, where we do go over most updated FAQs for tax appeals, give advice for property owners defending school district tax appeals, and discuss how to lower your property taxes for commercial appeals as well. Thank you again for listening and take care.